You're listening to The Prime Podcast, the young adult culture of abundant living faith center with Cruz Ramirez and Mark McGaffin. Hey, my people, Prime people, welcome back to another edition of The Prime Culture Podcast. We are sitting here in quarantine. I'm at my house. Cruz Ramirez at his house. What is happening? Hey, yo. Hey, yo. Big ups, Mark. Hey, we still getting it. We riding around. We getting it, man. Training wheels all day, every day with the baby girls. We got some bikes. Um, and we're loving it, man. I'm I, I'm pretty sure my baby girl is going to pass second grade. Um, and uh, I'm learning all about adjectives. Hey, man, 100%. She's going to make it. She's going to make it. I just hate. I just hate when I get asked questions that I should know the answer to. And I just look at my kids and I'm just like, why would you ask me that? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Better, you better read your book. It's like, I don't even know what to do about it because some of these questions like math, sixth grade math, I'm just like, yo, I don't know if I have time for this anymore. Yo, have you seen, have you seen this crazy, this crazy multiplication they have now that's like in a square? Uh, what is whack. this? What Co- is this? Common, common core. I don't understand. I don't bro. understand, bro. How are you, how are you going to make the logical decision to make math more difficult <laughs> and harder than it already is? I don't understand. Like, like what, what is your problem? Why do you, ha- and then, and then what you're really doing is you're ruining my life. Absolutely. Like my life is Absolutely. ruined because of common core. No, dude, it like, I'm frustrated cause I don't understand common core. And now I'm questioning everything I ever learned. Like, why didn't I get this? Like if it, like, if this makes so much sense to my seven year old, why wasn't I taught this when I was her age? Like, I don't get it. I really don't understand. <laughs> We're indoctrinating our kids with this stuff. And then when they grow up, they're going to switch it back. <laughs> and so everything they learned in school was a lie. We had fake news. We had fake school. Everything is different. Fake math. Our teachers always told us, you got to do it this way. It don't add I want to see you work. This is the only way this works. And now, and now we're going to make it harder. I don't know, man. I don't got time for that. I'm trying to be an adult. I graduated school. I'm not supposed to have to remember all this. And now my kids start asking me these questions. And I'm just thinking, God, why me? I thought you were a good God. I thought you loved me. You were here to give me hope in the future. And now I'm doing math. <laughs> Yo, I, I shout out to my kid's second grade teacher though, man. She like, she, she puts these uh, YouTube videos in the math, in the math, like note section. And, and it's like, Hey parents, by the way, if they just watch this YouTube video, they'll just learn to how to, how to count five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm like, okay, thanks for helping my kid just be efficient. If I was thinking about this, uh, earlier this week, and I don't know if you've ever had this this situation happen, but this is the one sentence that I've I've always had a problem with. When someone starts it like this, hey, no offense, but that's a setup, bro. Hey, hey, uh, hey, bro, with with all due respect, and then <laughs> if, if they if they throw that out to you, just throw on, up a shield. Put your helmet on. It's about to be a bumpy ride because they're gonna light you up with all due respect. With though. all due respect. Hey, no offense, but hey, no, I, I agree with you, bro. That's just that's simply a warning shot that I'm. You're about to take fire. Like I'm about to come yeah. at you. Like one million percent. I don't understand. Like with all due respect, but I'm about to say something really disrespectful. One hundred percent, dude. Like some some of the most some of the most um, hurtful with all due respects that I've ever gotten are like after I preach. Oh my gosh, bro! 
right? So, so like some, sometimes I feel like I, I try not to do it much anymore, but I, I treat like sermons, like, like art, right? Like it's like, this is, this is my art. This is my craft, man. And I'm sensitive sure. about my, I'm sensitive about my stuff. Right. Um, and, and so I've got the, uh, I've got the uh, Sunday morning or the Wednesday night or whatever theologians, right. Who will come and just say, Hey, Hey, with all due respect, but I think that you were out of context. Hey, no, Hey, pastor Cruz, no, no offense, but you know, I don't know. I don't know that you're able to say that. And I'm just like, wow. Okay. You know, and it's like right, right after, right. I mean, right after, you know, yeah, I don't, it, it's hurtful, bro. It's so hurtful. And the truth yeah. is, the truth is, man, like whenever someone sets that up for me, it's like, I, I want to just like, to me, that's a, that's a, that's like a, like, that's a, that's a warning flare and a warning shot to like, Hey, wh- whatever comes out of their mouth next is something that I'm probably going to take really personal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just prepare to get, get your feelings hurt. My question today is, are you taking life personal? Are you taking your, your position at work personal? Are you taking your relationship with your wife, your husband, personal? Are you taking your relationship with your parents, your folks? Are you taking it yeah. personal? Are you taking the relationship you have with your kids personal? Are you taking your finances personal? Are you taking your, your place in ministry personal? I think there's something really interesting about that. This idea of, are you taking it personal? I agree with you, Mark. And you know, the truth is this, man, you know, people, people will, will preface disrespectful comments or sideways comments with stuff like, Hey, don't take this personal. But the truth is, man, I think we, I think we should flip it on, on people and we should flip it on, on, on those statements and just say, you know what? No, I am going to take your personal, but I'm not going to take your words personal. I'm not going to take your motivations personal. I'm not going to take your intentions personal, but like what you said, I'm going to take my position personal. I'm going to take my own words, my attitudes, my actions, my reactions. I'm going to take those personal. Why? Because I can, I can't have, I don't, I have zero ownership and zero control over the words that come out of your mouth, but I always have the responsibility to take ownership of what happens in me and through me. Right. You know, like all the time, right. man, I'm, I'm supposed to take things personal. I'm supposed to take ownership of my disposition. I'm supposed to take ownership of the words that come out of my mouth. I'm supposed to take ownership of the postures that I take, the integrity with which I act, the character with which I carry myself. We're supposed to take things personal. And here at Prime Culture, man, that's, that's one of our key leadership values is to take things personally. You know, like for us, uh, we, we've got a set of seven leadership values. And, you know, th- these, these are the values and these are the, 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 the things that we're, we're aspiring to be. It's who we aspire to be. And, you know, like none of us are perfect, Mark, right? None of us live up to them every single day, every single decision, every single time. But these are attributes that we make a personal commitment to always pursue pursue them in every area of our life. Right. And so today I I'm glad that we're talking about this. I'm glad we're talking about taking things personal because too often we take the things that we should take personal and place them in other people's hands. Right. We, we, we place them on the perfect conditions, on the perfect responses, on, on, on environmental and external situations. When the truth is I can take ownership of a lot of stuff in my life, man. It makes me think of what am I taking personal? We spend a lot of time blaming a lot of people for things that are happening in yeah. our lives, but really what it comes down to is I'm just not taking this personal. In our schoolwork, um, it's, the, it's the teacher's fault that, I, that I'm falling behind. In, in the church, 
it's the pastor's fault. It's the leader's fault that I'm at the space summit. We shift the blame instead of coming back and saying, maybe what's happening is that I'm just not grabbing my life by the reins and saying, it's time for me to take something personal. And even in a, and even in a church sense, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, think, I think there's a responsibility for us as Christ followers. There's a responsibility for us as, as church goers. There's a responsibility for us as servant leaders. There's a responsibility for us as ministry leaders. There's also responsibility for us as pastors. Is how am I taking church life personal? And that's the hard thing right now because of the quarantine. And we, I mean, El Paso, it just got extended in like halfway through May. May 17th. We're talking about when, yeah, when can we have church again? Like right now we have the opportunity to make the choice to make church life, the mission, the vision, and to make those things, not just a church thing, but to make them a personal thing. The truth is that that is one of the most, this is one of the most important leadership qualities that any one of us can take on is personal ownership, extreme ownership of things in our lives, right? Um, and every, every good leader, every leader, every leader worth following has a strong degree and a strong streak and consistency of personal ownership. Um, I, th I think that personal ownership and taking things personally um, is fruit of gratitude and it's fruit of self-awareness. And here, here's what I mean by that. A lot of times when, when we focus on what we can't do and it's always about an external circumstance as to why I can't, what that means is I'm putting more value and more weight in things that are out of my control and things that are out of my hands than really appreciating and really valuing and maximizing the things that I do have in my hands, right? And when, when I take things personal, I, it becomes the classic cliche of having a can-do attitude, right? I'm, 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 I'm almost like fed up with can't do attitudes, right? Like even now, like this whole quarantine, I get, I get it. It was unexpected. It, it's not the most optimal, but man, I promise you there are can do opportunities in this whole situation. There are so many things that we can do, right? Like I can be in this quarantine, like per, for me personally, I can be a better father, a more present dad. I can be someone who takes, who takes a platform that I've been given like social media much more seriously. I can be someone who, while I can't meet all of my friends to face face to face, I can still insert myself into their lives. I can take my mission personally. Right. And so I think that when, when we take mission personally, when we take assignments personally, when we take our responsibilities personally, it, it rises and falls on who we are, what we have and who we're serving more than who's around us, where we think we should be and who we think should be serving us. And you cannot abdicate your position. You've got to model it. You've, you've got to model it. Jesus said it this way when he was calling his, when he was calling his cadre, right? When he was calling his squad, he said, come follow me and I will make you right. The guys didn't know how to do what they were called, what they said yes to, but in following the greatest leader ever, the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, they became what he was modeling, right? And at, at, the, at, the end, at the end of Christ's assignment, right before the ascension, Matthew 28, 19, he says, all right, now you go. 
Now you go into the into the earth and make disciples, right? That that whole that whole transfer of anointing, of authority, of ministry, of responsibility came with three years, man, ish, give or take, of strongly modeled, right? You know, he told he told the disciples, "How long have you been with me? You still don't know the Father." Right, you've seen this. What's wrong with you guys? You've seen this. You know how to do this, um, and I agree with you, Mark. That is such a convicting, convicting statement and 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 thought that we we don't just tell them what to do, we show them. That's a disconnect. Now, that's not all of our experience with with leadership. However, we lose people when church leadership does not do what they say we should do. We lose people. We've got to look at that because people aren't just watching us when we show up for an event. People aren't just watching us when we when we um, are, are worshiping or when we hit the stage or when we help someone get their, their car parked or where, when we're greeting someone for circle. People aren't just watching us then. I really believe that people, each of us, myself included, I have people that are watching my life to see how personally I have taken this gospel of Jesus Christ, yeah. this leadership role. Yeah. And I believe that there are eyes watching and what we do and what we don't do will have a profound impact, not just on our lives. And, and believe me, there's, there's a huge impact that it's going to have on me. But it also is what I do and don't do is also going to have an impact on the little eyes that are watching me. The yeah. people that I work with that are watching me, the people that see me on social media, they're watching to see, hey, I wonder how personal this dude has really taken this whole Jesus thing. Yeah, absolutely. As you were talking, I'm, I'm reminded of Eugene Peterson's definition of discipleship, which was when you take on discipleship, you've decided and you've made the commitment to have long obedience in the same direction. Long obedience in the same direction, right? Obedience means I've surrendered every preference and every opinion, and I've literally surrendered control. I'm going to do it the way I'm asked to do it. Long obedience in the same direction. And a lot of things around me change. Environments change. Roles, roles change. Relationships change. Culture changes. But Jesus does and never, never changes. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be have a long obedience in the, in a steady direction, man, you know, and, um, I want to give the culture some, some handles, man, on what they can start doing today to take, to take their leadership, to take their discipleship, to take their relationship with Jesus seriously, right? What can I do today? Right. Because here's the bottom line, you guys, you can do something today. I don't want, I don't want you to miss the opportunities of today, right? You know, if we're not careful, we'll look at today, call it not enough and hope for tomorrow. And we'll always live one season behind our blessing, one season behind our purpose, one season behind an assignment, one season behind seeing God's hand manifested in our lives. And the truth is when we see stories of incredible moves of God, it started with people who said, what will we do today? The apostle said it this way, today is the day 
of salvation. Not tomorrow. Don't leave for tomorrow what you can do today. Don't leave for tomorrow what you're able to do today. And you have things in you that you can do right now today, right? And so so I'm, I'm reminded right now of, of a moment that Moses had with, with the Lord when he was being called into a really strong assignment and nothing around him, nothing environmentally, nothing culturally, nothing relationally, even experientially, nothing justified the calling of God on his life. But that's what I love about God, that he'll look at things that are not and call them as though they were. He'll look at things that are incomplete and call them complete. He'll look at things that are dis- disqualified and call them qualified. He'll look at things that are inadequate and call them more than enough. He'll things that look inappropriate and call them righteous and call them holy, right? And so, and so he's looking at Moses who is a fugitive. He's been on the run from the law for 40 years on the backside of a mountain. And he'll say, Hey, Moses through the burning bush, read Exodus three and four. Hey, Moses through the burning bush. Can I tell you that there is a moment with God that if you're able to pick your head up right where you are today, not the perfect scenario, not the perfect responses to God, not the perfect life decisions, but if you pick your head up, Exodus three says one day Moses was tending the sheep of Jethro, his father-in-law. That word one day literally means on this day it happened. On this day, which tells me that Moses had been walking this path for a while. And this was the day that he noticed that there was a burning bush, right? And so one thing you can do today, and this isn't the handle, but I'm just going to give you the value add. Today, you can lift your head. David wrote this, oh, you, oh Lord, are a shield about me. You're my glory and the lifter of my head. You're the shield around me. You're the one that protects me from the fiery darts of the enemy. And can I remind you, friend, that the New Testament, the Apostle Paul teaches us that we have the shield of faith. And so what protects you from external onslaught and, and those, and those, hey, you know, don't take this personal, but, or those, you know, those, Hey, uh, you know, uh, by the way, uh, with, I'm going to say this with all due respect, but right, because there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of things in our lives yeah. right now that are attacking your assignment. They're attacking your leadership. They're attacking your confidence. Yeah. And here's, here's the deal. Your own ability, your own capacity is not going to be able to withstand, but the scripture teaches put on the armor of God so that you'll be able to withstand the enemy and having done all you stand. And one of the ways we stand is the, with the shield of faith, right? That our believing and our speaking John first John five, four, this is the victory that overcomes every single, no offense, but statement every single, Hey, with all due respect, but statements, it's your faith, right? And so I just want to, I just want to, I just want to take that moment and tell you right now where you're listening. I want you to sit up, throw your shoulders back, and I want you to lift your head. The enemy has been attacking you for way too long. He's been telling you that you're not good enough. He's been causing you to relinquish your sonship, your belonging, your salvation, your joy, your strength, your happiness, your destiny, the divine purpose for which God called you. He's been attacking you, but for no, no longer. 
no longer. David said this in Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills from which comes my help. By help cometh from the Lord who created the heavens and the earth. And today, friend, if you will lift your head and allow the voice of the Lord to cause this, this, this rising, you know, Pastor was just teaching this on Sunday that he's a stand-up and a recovery, right? That you, you if, if he can cause this righteousness and this boldness to rise up in you, you can lift your head and see that there's so much more that are for you and there's so much more that is for you, that is in you that, than the ones that are around you. That is... <clears throat> That's the promise of God, right? And so I want you to lift your head, man. I want you to allow the Lord to be a shield about you. I want you to see his glory, his, his character, his mercy, his love, and let that bring confidence into your spirit. He's the lifter of your head, right? And so, and so Moses lifts his head. And he sees the burning bush, right? And so I'm not going to get into just all of the, all of the preachy elements of, of this experience, but essentially the Lord reveals to Moses, I've got this mission for you, Mo. I've called you to be a deliverer. I've called you to be someone who comes and breaks systematic oppression. Four and a half generations, 400 years of slavery and oppression to God's people. And you're the one I'm going to use. You're the disqualified one, the inadequate one, the inappropriate one, the unexpected one. But I love that our God does extraordinary things through unlikely heroes. I love that. I love that about our God. And can I tell you today that there is something extraordinary that the Lord is purposing and he's already planned to do through you even if you are the unlikely hero even if you are the misfit you're still the messiah's misfit right and so <clears throat> Moses does what most of us will do right mark he'll say god who am i why would i why would you use me right why i i can't do this god this is this is too much and he's just not taking what god is saying personally right and so the lord says Hey, Moses, no, really, I'm calling you. And so we find this in Exodus 4. And Moses says, well, God, what are you going to give me? What are you going to give me? So, the, so they will say that, that I heard from God. You know what? Can I tell you something? When, when, when you start to, start to take God's voice personally in your life, you stop living for they. And I don't know who they are in your life, but we all have a they. Well, they don't like me. They don't believe in me. They're never there for me. They don't take me seriously. They don't see good in me. We all have a they, hashtag 50 shades of they, right? We've all got a they in our life. But here's what I love, <clears throat> that when you take the call of God on your life seriously and personally, when you take it personal, you stop living to prove them wrong and you start living to prove God right. That's the power, man, that we live to prove God right in our lives. And here's how you can live to prove God right. I want you to write this down, man. And God essentially says this. He says, Moses, what is in your hand? What do you have right now here today that you can offer to me? Right? I want you to write this down. Everything I have is everything I need. Everything I have is everything I I need. Everything you have today is everything you need to take the call of God on your life personally, to take the mission of God on your life personally, to take your ministry personally, to take your leadership personally. Everything you have is everything you need. And Mark, what did Moses have? He had a shepherd's staff, bro. Come on. Yeah, only had a stick. Only he had, had a stick. stick. He had a stick, man. Come on. <laughs> Are you kidding me right now? I've got yeah. a stick. That's all I got. <laughs> That's all I got is a stick. The scripture says that 
that God will take the foolish things of this world that confound the wise. Come he placed on. something silly in the hand of Moses, but made something powerful out of it. Sheesh. This is the X factor. This is the X factor for every single person listening. If you're, if you're waiting for the fairy dust, here it is. You find it right here with Moses. This is the X factor. When you know who God is, then you will know who you are. Come on. Moses had so many excuses in saying who he who he was, and God then was reminding him Say of who he called him Say to be. This is the X factor because we want to know what's the next step and how how my you know when is it when is a church going to call me back? I really need a job. When am I going to be a youth pastor? When am I going to be a worship? When 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 and how do I get there? This is the magical step, and it's not something that 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 I could do for you. It's not something that that Cruz could do for you. It's not something that Pastor Charles could do for you. It's not. This is the X factor, and this is what it is. It's when you take personal responsibility for what God has placed in your hand. I cannot make you uh, take your preaching gift personal. I cannot make you take your worship leading gift personal. Come on. I cannot make you take the gift you have to make finances and to make money personal. There's no Tinkerbell in this. This is a this is a step where you, you know what, now I know who God is and now I believe no matter what my inadequacies are, I believe what he has said about me and what I can do Say with that, that information, with that realization. This is the X factor. Once you have a personal relationship with God, then you will understand who you are. Identity is Everything. 100%. It's everything. 100%. And once you know who he is, who you are, my friend, ooh, get ready because then you'll know what you can do. When you know what you can do and you begin to take it personal, watch out. And he doesn't need another copycat of anyone. He has something specially crafted for you. But do you even know what's lying in your hand, what he's placed in you that could impact your family, that could impact your school, that could impact your church? Everything that is everything that is in your hand is everything you need. The shepherd staff, you just said, you just said it so well, man. The shepherd staff was his, it represented his identity and shout out to pastor Rick Warren. I'm all about giving credit, man. I want, if if there's something dope that we share that isn't, that isn't mine, I want to give credit. Right. And so shout out to pastor Rick Warren. He's the one I learned this from and I heard it from. Right. But Moses's shepherd staff represented three things. You just, you just laid down the first one identity. That's major. That's core, right? I have to know who God is. And when I know who God is, I know who I am. And can I just tell you that every single one of us who follow Jesus today, we all have this in our hands. Our believing has brought about a divine belonging. John chapter one, verse 11 and 12. He came to his own, but his own received him not. But unto them that he unto them that believed in him and received him to them he gave power to be called the sons of God. John later says it in one of in, in one of the epistles. He says, Now we are the sons of God. Now. And so you and I, we have this in our hands that today we're sons and daughters of God. Today we are children of God. And if we are children of God, we are heirs with Christ and co-heirs of Christ. And so everything that Christ has, has been shared with us. And we ought to walk with that, with that revelation, with that understanding. And what does that do next, Mark? It actually should feed our confidence and then our influence, right? That's the second thing, you guys. So number one, three things that 
that you have in your hand today, your identity. You can grab hold of your identity. Can I just remind you that your identity is not your employment. Your identity is not an, an achievement or a milestone or an accomplishment. You were before the foundation of the world. Jeremiah chapter one, before you were born, I called you by name. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I called you by name and I ordained you. Romans 8, those that he foreknew, he predestined. Those he predestined, he foreordained. Those he foreordained, he justified, then he glorified. There has been a foreknowing of who you are before you ever had a hangup, an insecurity, or some sort of issue with who you think you are, you're not. So can I just remind you, you already, because of Jesus, and we just celebrated the resurrected Christ a few days ago, and because of that resurrection, you and I now have an identity that no one can take away, no one can question. You ought to walk with that confidence. And, you know, when we walk in with confidence in Christ, Mark, we recognize this, that the Lord, he speaks through us and he speaks for us, right? Like, like Moses responded to God and he said, well, God, like, like I've got this hang up, man. And if you don't know Moses' story, go read Exodus three and four when you get a chance. Right. But Moses had a stutter. So now he's calling him to be a public communicator. He's calling him to be an influencer. Right. So imagine being like one of the one, like, I don't know who you follow that are social media influencers, but imagine following that person. Imagine following, I don't know. The first one that comes to my mind is Bieber. Don't Justin Bieber. Don't at me. Okay. All right. I still love baby. Okay. I still love that song 27 years later or however long it's been. Right. That's still my jam, bro. Um, but what I'm saying is this, imagine that he did that, that, that Justin Bieber would come up and was just stuttering, right. Couldn't get a word out. This is who God called though, but he calls the unlikely and he gives us his incredible influence, not because of us, but because of him. Second Corinthians four says, and we have this incredible treasure in fragile jars of clay that it might be seen that this light and this power and this authority is not of us, but it's of Christ, right? And so I want you to know that you have an incredible influence. You have an incredible God who speaks on your behalf. And Moses said, God, I've, I, my, you, my mouth stutters, dude. And the Lord says, but who created your mouth? I made you, bro. I made you. And I'll use you however I want to use you. And I just want you to stand on that confidence that whenever your identity is founded in Jesus and it's sure and it's confident, the influence will always shine through. Everybody that's listening to this uh, podcast today, you're influencing somebody. There are people that are watching you right now, which is kind of awkward because you're at your house. So I guess that would be family. Uh, Why does it feel like somebody's watching <laughs> Yeah, it's like awkward, but somebody is watching. You have influence. What can you do today for the people that are around you? Uh, look, at, look at the quality of, of how you're using your influence. I mean, there's, this is, this is not a, uh, influence is not passive and it's not, and it's, it's always moving in one way or the other. So good. But I guess we are talking to some young adults that are really trying to live the prime life. And 100%. if you want to live the prime life and help other people live the prime life, start taking your influence serious. I'm not talking perfection at all. No perfect people allowed. Okay. So we're not talking perfection, but there's this. There's this weight and responsibility that comes with taking things personal. Absolutely, man. So three things to take personal, your identity, your influence, and the last one is your resources, aka your income, right? Because that's how Moses made a living, 
was his was was being a shepherd, the shepherd's staff. Now I'm 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 not gonna mess with your money because it's not about money, but it is about resources, right? Money is not the resource, generosity is the resource, right? It's the spirit with which I have, right? That that is what that is what God gave me. My my ultimate resource is my resourcefulness, looking at my life and saying, how can I do the most with what I have? Instead of uh, instead of justifying procrastination, instead of justifying stalling out and saying, oh man, I don't have what I need. It's taking ownership and saying, hey, everything I have is everything I need. And what I have in my hand today can give me what God has put in my heart, right? And so today you've got resources. Mark just mapped out several of them. Your influence is your, one of your greatest resource resources, but also your resourcefulness, right? Some of the greatest entrepreneurs and some of the greatest leaders that I know in my life didn't start off seven-figure people, didn't start off super monsters in business and all of this. They started off with an idea and some hustle and a little bit of resourcefulness, right? They didn't start with a big budget. They just said, man, we're going to make this stretch. <laughs> they might not have had seven you figures, but that is seven-figure mentality. Seven figure in, in ingenuity and craftiness and hustle and grind and who going to stop me, huh? You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's, we're, we're just going to get it done. We're just going to get it done. Can I tell you today that your resourcefulness, being able to look at what you have in your hand and say, all right, I'm going to determine to do the most I can with what's in my hand. I'm going to sow this seed. I'm going to work this gift. I'm going to swing this sling. Come on, David. I'm going to use this staff. Come on, Moses. I'm going to make the most of this time in the dungeon because it's going to give me access to the king at some point. Joseph, you see what I'm saying? I'm... Prayer may not seem like much, but it saved Daniel's life. It may not seem like much, but can I tell you, I heard Stephen Furtick say it this way, right? A lot of times we'll look at the little things in our hands and we think that they're so small, but they're seeds. But when I can look, to, look at him through the eyes of faith and resourcefulness, I'll see that I'm not holding seeds, I'm holding trees, you know? And so I just, I want, I want you to look at what you have in your hand today through the eyes of faith. And that faith will give you corresponding behavior, AKA resourcefulness. What can you do with what you have today? Right? Can, can you take your social media personal and say, man, I'm going to use this to glorify Jesus. Can you take your relationships personal? Can you take that little job you have at Raising Cane's that's driving you nuts and say, man, I can't wait till I get out of this so God can really, no, God, God can use you today, bro. God can use you in that call center. God can use you in that house with that crazy mom. And we're believing that God is doing a work in her heart. And I don't know who that's for, but I just felt that get tugged on my heart. And we're just believing for peace and strength and comfort and healing in your home, right? But God, but God can do so much more. That's what, that's what Ephesians says, right? Who can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Watch, here it is, Mark. Ask, think, dream, or imagine according to what? The power I already have. The power that works in me. And so it's got to work in me, man. It's correlated. The, the above beyond power of God works in me. And it works through me. And we, we work in tandem, man. And so three things we've got to take personal. We've got to take them personally. Your identity. Take who God says you are personally. Your influence. Take what God can do through you personally. Your resources. Take what God has given you today personally, man. And watch God, watch, watch God do exceedingly abundantly, man. Come on, I'm lit right now. I'm fired up. If you're faithful over the little... <laughs> 
you'll be ruler over the much. So many people are waiting for much when you've had little. See, if I had more, I would do something with it. Reality is, is that you wouldn't. Otherwise, you'd be faithful to what you already have. And, and the, tr the truth of the matter is, it was in Moses' hand. I want you to hear this. It was in Moses' hand, but God has placed it now on the inside of you. Your help, your breakthrough, that next step is not coming from an outside force. It's going to explode from within. Say that. He's planted something on the inside of you that no, no virus, no difficulty, no disappointment, no relationship can strip out of your hand because he's planted it <laughs> in your heart. It's on the inside. And God wants to do something great in you, but here's what it takes. We're going right back to it. It takes you taking it personal. If you won't take it personal, absolutely, you cannot count on somebody else to. You can hope and dream for it, but man, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be twisted, busted, disgusted, everything in between because you're waiting for this moment to happen, this magical moment at a conference, and it's just not going to happen because that's not the way God designed it to work. Are those moments great? Wow, absolutely but it cannot substitute for the fact that God asked Moses to take it personal. Let's put it to the New Testament. God asked his son to take it personal. And if he's asking Jesus to take it personal, take it a step further. He asked Paul to take it personal. Okay, let's, let's Tarantino it. Let's go back to the beginning. He asked Esther to take it personal. Come on. If he asked all these champions, even the son of God himself to take it personal, man, what are the chances that he's asking you to take it personal today? No one else is coming. Yo, I'm, I'm serious. No, like you got to hear this. No one else is coming. You're the one. And I don't have time to unpack it. But if I had time to unpack it, I would break it down how Moses was the only one. Moses survived genocide and infanticide every child his age every young male child his age was killed but he was preserved there's something to be said about that that he was the only one you're the only one take it personal don't miss out on this season fam all right culture don't miss out on right now stop squandering here and now because we're having an affair with if and when God wants you to enjoy here and now and do the most here and now. He wants to do it through you. He placed you here now. Mark shouted out Esther. Would it not be that he's called you for such a time as this? Take it personal. Let's go. What a good talk today. Good talk. Good talk. Hey, culture, I want you to do this. I want you to stop allowing the enemy to rob you of your purpose, of your confidence, of your identity, of your resources, of your influence, of everything you could do by, by giving you, feeding you lies that you're not enough, that you don't have enough, that you don't know enough. That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. And I want you to stand on this truth today that everything that God has given you is everything you need. Your choice is now to say yes. Choose life. Joshua said it this way. Choose you this day whom you will serve, whom you will follow, and whom you're going to take personal. Hey, let's be a culture that takes the voice of God 
the gifts of God, the move of God, the plan and the purpose of God, and the word of God personal into our lives. Who you are, what he can do through you, and what he's given you. Let's go, man. Take it personal. Man, that's so good. Hey, once again, we just want to thank you all for for taking time to join us for another edition of the Prime Culture Podcast. In case y'all forgot, Prime Day is Friday. So we're always coming with new content, new podcasts, Prime pop-ups. We're coming in hot on Friday. So make sure that you have subscribed, you've liked it, you've shared it, you've done all of it. So stay connected with the culture. Uh, follow us at Instagram on Instagram at This Prime Culture if you're not already following us. And hey, listen, keep an eye out. Uh, we got a lot of fresh content coming out in the next couple of weeks, starting with a major deal. Culture Night Live is back Friday night, May 1st, 8 p.m. It's Culture Night Live is back. And man, we got some bangers in us, man. I'm telling you, super excited about what God is stirring in the culture, stirring in our hearts, and what he's going to do in you, for you, and through you. All right, so stay connected to the culture, fam. And until we meet again, why don't y'all go ahead and be the culture? Yeah, love y'all. Take it personal. <laughs>